word. So let's go ahead and let's do that. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much for sending him to come and die on the cross for our sins, to be buried and then rose again on the third day. We just ask that as we continually celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, that our heart would exalt him, exalt what he has done, and that we would uh, rest in what the Bible says happened to us at the moment of salvation, that our message would be the, the lamb who died on the cross and is now living again and, and, and will come again. And, and may Jesus be the anthem that we, that we sing and may he be the message that we bring. We're so very thankful for your grace and your mercy that you've lavished upon us. And it's in the person and work of your son that we say, amen. This morning, uh, go with me to the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 5. And just focus on verse 9, Revelation 5, 9. Allow me to read this. And it says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation And you have made them a kingdom, uh, priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne the living creatures and the elders and the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Back in verse 9, notice it says, and they, and the question is, well, who is they and what is going on in this scene? This is uh, the first part of the book of Revelation where John is getting a vision into the throne room of God before there's this description of this great and glorious and terrible judgment that's about ready to happen on the earth. After that judgment, the Lord Jesus Christ will set up his kingdom. But this is right before that most terrible tribulation. And before that, John is, sees this throne room. And in the beginning of verse 5, notice what it says in, in 5.1. It says, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sits on the throne. So chapter 4 deals with the one who sits on the throne. And this, this glorious display of his wrath and of his majesty and of his love and of his grace. And it says in his right hand, there's a scroll. And on this scroll, there's writing all over it. And the question is, what, what is this scroll? The scroll symbolizes the, what's about ready to happen. It's, it's a revelation of the judgment to come. And it's got writing on the inside and on the outside. And it's describing the wrath of the lamb that's about ready to come. 
and on this has seven seals. So, so it's in his hand, and, and then he says, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming, in verse 2, with a loud voice, saying, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? Big question. Who has the authority? Who has the right? Who deserves to open this scroll to see what's inside, to proclaim what's inside, to bring about the judgment that's about ready to come? Who's worthy to look into this? And it's this mighty angel proclaiming this. And in verse 3, you see this great dilemma. In verse 3, it says, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. So here's this scroll with revelation about what's ready to happen. Who is worthy? Who is powerful enough? Who has enough authority to open this scroll? No one. No one. There's, there's not a single person, not the strongest angel, not the strongest man, not a group of people. No one can open this. And so John begins to weep loudly because he says no one can open the scroll. No one can look into the scroll. And then in verse 5, one of the elders comes up to him and he says, hey, cheer up, buddy. Weep no more. And he says, behold. Now last week in John 1, John the Baptist, as he was baptizing, saw Jesus, and what did he say? Behold! And he there said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Powerful. We talked about that. What does it mean that the Lamb of God, he died on the cross for our sins? What does it mean that he takes away our sins? It means that he, re- he forgives us of our sins. He imputes his righteousness to us. He removes the, the, the guilt. We're no longer guilty of sin. He removes that wrath of sin. We're never going to be punished for that sin. We're purified. We're accepted by God. We, we are his, fully accepted, have full access to God the Father on the basis of Christ and his work, his death, and his resurrection. There they said, behold the lamb. Now notice here in verse 5, the elder says, weep no more. Behold, notice what he says, the lion. I'll be honest with you, if we were walking in a dark alley in the middle of the night and we saw a lamb, we might be startled. But I don't see any of us running out of that alleyway yelling, dangerous lamb. He's got... Teeth. We're not scared of lambs. I guarantee you it's the complete opposite if there's a lion in that dark alley. You couldn't run fast enough. You might become one of those cartoon characters where your legs are moving in air and you're not moving. A lion is a powerful animal. It symbolizes this unstoppable, ferocious killer. It demonstrates power, authority, royalty. It has the idea of military might. So so John the Baptist says, behold the lamb, the one who's going to sacrifice, the one who's loving, who's sympathetic. And here we see another aspect of Christ. Behold the lion. He's fierce. He's strong. He's scary. He's coming with wrath. He's coming as a conqueror. And he says, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. This is a 
a shout back to Genesis 48 of one of the prophecies about Jesus, that Jesus is the lion from the tribe of Judah. So it's talking back to that. And he says, and it's the root of David, meaning that this is the one promised Messiah that has been promised for thousands of years. And notice what it says. It says, has conquered. Literally, behold the conqueror, the lion. What did he conquer? Death. What did he conquer? Sin. It's what he did. He is a conqueror now. How do we know he conquered those things? How can we know that God accepted the death of Christ and and that payment? It's the very thing that we're celebrating this morning, the resurrection. We know that God accepted Christ and what Christ did because of the resurrection and because of the ascension. And because he did that, death no longer has sting. Sin no longer has power over the believer. We now are his. The the guilt and wrath and the punishment is removed. He has conquered. It's done. It's finished. He's the conqueror. He's conquered. He's risen from the dead. So so, so here's John. He's weeping because no one can look into the scroll and, he, and, and here the elder says, behold the lion, behold the root of David, the conqueror. And notice what he says, he says, so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And verse 6, and behold the throne, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb. It's the same thing as the lion. So here you have a lion lamb, a lamb lion. He's both. There's this love There's this grace, there's this empathy, there's this sacrifice for us on our behalf, taking our punishment. There's that. And and, and the same one is also characterized as ferocious, as strong, as mighty, coming in with wrath. Same, Same one. So here's the lamb. He's standing. And notice, standing though he had been slain. Probably you've never seen a lamb like this before. It says he has... Uh, seven horns, that's a little different. I don't know if I've ever seen a lamb with seven horns. This symbolizes his perfect power and authority. And then it says he has seven eyes. Once again, I'm not sure I've ever seen any animal with seven eyes, uh, but he does. This, and, and John tells us that this symbolizes the seven spirits, which, which speaks of his omnipresence and his and his ability to see and to know. So so he has perfect authority. He has perfect omnipresence. This lion lamb who's died on the cross for your sins, but is also ferocious. He's strong. There he is. And and notice in verse 7 it says, And he went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sits on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll... The four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. So when he takes the scroll, no one else can. He can. The father allows him to take it. He has the scroll. And the the four living creatures and the elders all understand the implication of this. And they fall down. And it says, each holding a harp with golden uh, bowls full of incense. I just got to say this. As a guitar player, when I saw this word harp, it's the Greek word kithara. Kithara is the 
basic word for guitar. So the 24 elders had guitars. I'm joking. I'm joking. But you know that's what I'm thinking, right? They all had Gibson Les Pauls and Fender Telecasters. Praising the Lord. No, they, they all had harps symbolizing their praise for the Lord. And then they had these bowls which symbolized the, the, the prayers of the saints. So, so this is the context. And notice what it says in verse 9. It says, and they sang a new song. The word here for new speaks of something that has never been heard before. Something that's brand new. But when you hear it and it's brand new, you immediately know there's something different about this. Maybe the best way I could describe this is just think of your favorite song. Your favorite song. Think back to that moment when you first heard your favorite song. That's what this word kind of describes. It's something new that's never heard before, but the moment you hear it, you go, significant, remarkable. So they're singing a song that's never been sung before. And notice the lyrics to this song. Starts off worthy. Worthy. Worthy are you, pointing to the lion lamb, pointing to Jesus. You deserve, it is fitting and it is appropriate. That's what it means. You deserve this. No one else can do this. You are better than we are. You are of a different class than we are. You are above us. We are below you. Worthy are you. And notice what it says, to take the scroll and to open its seals. Only Jesus can do this. Worthy are you. Now the question is, why is Jesus worthy to do this? Why is this lamb worthy to open, these, open the scroll and pop the seals? Notice why they give in this song. There's two reasons. In verse 9, you have, uh, because he's ransomed people. That's verse 9. And then verse 10, because you make people, right? You ransom people and you make people. You ransom people from everywhere and you you make people into royal priests. So notice what he says. He says, for you were, in verse 9, you were slain. So worthy are you to take the scroll because for you, Jesus, you were slain. You died. And by your blood, you purchased That's what the word ransom means here. The idea is is that because we're sinners, there's a debt that we have that we cannot pay. There's a penalty that we cannot absolve. And Jesus came and died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he paid that debt. He canceled that debt. He died for us. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God. He died for us. Taking our punishment. So as these elders and as these angels are saying, worthy are you. Why is he worthy to take this scroll that speaks of judgment? Why is he worthy to dispense this judgment? Because he was the one that was slain. He was the one that died. He was the one that purchased salvation. He was the one that did this. No one else did. He did. Others claim to have, but he's the one that actually did it. And notice, it says, and you ransomed people. You paid for people. You you atoned for people. 
And, and, and notice these people that he atoned to for, they're for God. He died so that God will have a people for himself that are zealous for good works. By the way, the only way that he can see his offspring, these people for God, implies the fact that he is bodily, physically risen from the dead. This is why they can sing this song, because he's risen from the dead. Now just notice the scope and grace and love of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, you have ransomed people for God from every tribe. This word for tribe is kind of an interesting one. Literally, it's out of all tribes. And the word tribe here, the the definition is a group of people that are formed by a socio-political subgroup. That's what tribe means. People that are surrounded by one particular politic, one particular system of government. And then he says every language, out of all languages, that's people who use different words to describe different concepts, right? And then notice the next word, and people. This is people who have differing cultural ideas, different cultures from different locations. And then, and then he says, and nation. This is groups of people that are united by kinship and common traditions. So essentially we could say that Jesus purchased for God from the day of Pentecost until this time Different people with different languages, different families, different cultures, different politics, from different places, speaking in different languages, at different times, from different societies, and different backgrounds. It's mind-boggling to realize the relevance of Jesus. He transcends all culture, all time. I can't create a message that could, trans- that, that could uh, go past culture and language and time. He has. And when you just think about today, just think about just today of how many different people in different languages at different places are praising the risen Savior. And then think that the church has been around for 2,000 years. And all of the people that Jesus has purchased, all of the people from all the different languages, all the different places, it's mind-boggling to see the grace of Jesus. So why is he worthy? Because he did this. We didn't do this for ourselves. He did it. And that's why he's worthy. Then notice the next one in verse 10. The second reason, he says, because you made. Not not that we made ourselves into this. This is something that he is making. He says, you made them into a kingdom. He is the king. He is the Lord. He has transferred us from the kingdom and dominion of darkness. And we are now in the kingdom of his son. Our citizenship is not here on earth, but is in heaven. Every believer, this is what he made you into. And then notice the next thing. He made you priests to our God. In the Old Testament, there was a certain class of people that were chosen to be priests. They stand between people and God, and they did these special services to help people as they walk with God. There was one guy, the high priest, every year could go into the Holy of Holies. He was it, and that was the place of God's physical presence. One guy, one time a year, that was it. So all the people had all of these walls and barriers that kept them from this access to God, right? Because God was in that Holy of Holies, or the visible presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. That's what a priest was. 
when Jesus died on the cross, and, and as he works in our life, every single believer becomes a priest. Meaning that every single believer has access right now to God. We have access to God right now all the time. I don't need somebody else. Jesus is that mediator. And I can freely and confidently walk into the throne room of God. I can boldly go because of what Jesus has done. He's made us priests. And notice what he says next. He says, and they shall reign on the earth. This passage is an incredible passage, but it speaks of this scroll. And as I've alluded to before, as you read on, you will realize that every time Jesus pops one of those seals, something bad happens, a judgment from God where he judges sin. There's going to be three sets of judgments, by the way. There's seals and trumpets and bowls. And this, this demonstrates something to us about Jesus and about the resurrection. It demonstrates this, that when Jesus rose from the dead, yes, he purchased my salvation and all of these things on the cross. And he offers all of those great promises to me on the basis of belief. And that's what the resurrection does. It, it shows that God received it. By him raising from the dead and ascending to the right hand of the Father, it means that he's, he's now interceding for me right now. It also implies that he's coming again. And when he comes again, it's going to be as a lion. Which then teaches us that everyone has a relationship with Jesus right now. It's either good or it's bad. It's one where you love him or it's one where you hate him. It realizes that there is wrath to be paid for. That wrath of God has to be dealt with. You either let Jesus deal with it on your behalf or you deal with it yourself. You deal with the lion. You wrestle the lion. You jump in a pit with that lion. And you wrestle that lion. You're not going to win. You're not going to win. And so what, what, it, what it shows us is that Jesus is both of these. And so the, the, first immediate, the first immediate conclusion is this, that if you are here right now and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I plead with you, I plead with you to place your faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ and him alone. He is offering forgiveness of sins, the removal of God's wrath. He is saying, you can have my righteousness, which will be imputed to you, and you can have access to God anytime you want. And I am pleading with you that you place your faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ and him alone. Second thing is this. We as Christians, we should be very thankful that we know Jesus who is a lamb who did do this, and we can be very thankful that he died on the cross for our sins. But we must remember, sin is bad. Sin is destructive. The wages of sin is death. And this same one that's a lamb will come again as a lion. 
This is the one that we serve and we worship. And we say amen to both. Amen to him being a lamb and amen to him being a lion. It will be terrible. But that's, that's how you deal with sin. Another thing that I can think about when I think about this text in my daily life is this. As I think of the, these elders and these angels and they see Jesus, they see him take this, they, they realize what's coming in the second coming, they, they realize all of this, the gravity of this, and their response is to fall down on their face and say, worthy are you, you're better than me. You are so much better than me. You are so much more worthy of everything than I am. And there's this debasement of self, this exaltation of the lamb, And so what should this drive us to do, this resurrected one who stands at the right hand of the Father, who's worthy to take the scroll? It should cause every single one of us to have a similar response as the elders did. Fall on our face and say, worthy are you. You are far more worthy than I am. This morning, we have an incredible opportunity to... Think about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, not only in just because of what day it is, but we also are going to take the Lord's Supper. This church believes that every single believer should take the Lord's Supper and that this is a time of remembering, remembering Jesus, what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. And the Bible says that as we take this together, it is a way of us proclaiming the death burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ until he comes. And so as we're passing out the elements, I would ask two things. One, as you listen to the musicians play, to contemplate this text and, and to have the attitude of the elders, to have your heart bow down and scream out the worthiness of Christ and in your heart celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Second, I would ask to, uh, you're going to see that there's going to be a whole bunch of little things that we have to pull back. Just wait until everybody has theirs and I get back up and uh, I will lead us 